All right, welcome to the show. Hey. Um, hey, so today we have uh, Brennan. She has been a hero through the entire COVID crisis. I know, oh yeah, she's uh, blinking like you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you are a registered nurse, you're an RN. Yes. Uh, okay, and where is it that you work? Not specifically, because I know you don't want to be like right. plastered I, all over the internet. I work in the uh, Kansas City metro area. Okay. And what do you do at the hospital? Where do you work? I work in the ICU. Okay. Um, so let's get some background information on you. Um, how long have you been a nurse? I've been a nurse for about going on two and a half years now. Two and a half years. So you're fresh out of school. Where'd you go to school? I went to school also in the Kansas City metro area. <laughs> you don't, don't want to <laughs> let everybody know? No. Okay. That's all right. So the pandemic really kicked off in what, March? Was it? I don't remember. Yeah. I I, I'll, I don't tell anybody where I actually work, but I you know work for a very large company, and the only thing I remember is like at one point this year I couldn't wipe my ass, and that was it. and that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, and so that's what I. So it was March, was it? It was March. I actually had like a whole um, vacation planned, and I had to cancel it like a week before, and that week that I was supposed to be on vacation, I actually did four shifts instead of three because it went from like zero to 100 in like days. So the the COVID pandemic came along and it came out as, okay, well, coronavirus is this new thing coming out of China uh, from bats or whatever. And coronavirus obviously has gone from a lot, a lot of different animals can carry it. And then it finally jumped to humans and then... Uh, obviously it was abroad first and then came to the United States when you first heard about it or the hospitals first heard about it, what was the, the prep like? Was there any prep? Uh, yeah. So that's, that's a good thing to bring up because we, since it's a quote unquote novel virus, meaning we don't know a lot about it. Um, the prep was kind of hard, but we realized really quickly, uh, PPE became an issue, because uh, we don't make a whole lot here. We get it from overseas. And so we had to be really particular about when we use PPE, how we used it. Um, so that was that was something we had to get used to. I, I would think that would be the biggest hurdle we had to overcome is making sure we had things to protect ourselves. But where I worked, we moved really quickly. Uh, we had PAPR classes, which is, you know, People see that and they think of a space suit, really. Mm -hmm. um, we had those really quickly. We had reusable gowns that were brought in. And so uh, the prep, at first, it was we were unsure of what we needed because no one knew, is this a droplet? Is this an airborne? Okay, we're going to treat it like it's an airborne. So then that really started taking off with the Pappers and 95s, everything we needed. It once we knew what we needed, it moved quickly. So obviously, it is airborne, and yes. then it also is something that's a surface a surface thing. But the main vector that it's going through is, you know, really just people having conversation. By the way, I was recently tested, so you're safe for nice. me. So <laughs> yeah, unless I unless I got it within the last three days, you're good. Um, uh, my allergies have just been kicking my ass this year, and I was like, I'm just gonna go get swabbed, you know, sure. make sure make sure I'm not about to die. Uh, yep. I don't think I would because I'm pretty healthy, but you never know. Like I'm not. I definitely also am not getting the Trump drugs, so uh, you know you don't know. <laughs> you know what you're gonna get. So 
the the whole PPE thing, you took the classes, um, you knew it was coming. That being said, what was it like when, so you went from zero to 100, as you said, mm-hmm. uh, not to quote Drake real quick. Um, <laughs> so yes. so you, have, you have patient one, I guess patient zero for you, but patient one comes in. And were you already in the ICU or did they move you to the ICU to start taking care of these COVID patients? I had been in the ICU. I was probably like six months off orientation when this hit. So you were already in there. I was already in there. Yes, um, we actually had uh, we had our quote unquote first patients. Uh, they when we we actually had a lot of our staff members had to get tested after that, and mm-hmm. so it knocked out like half our staff, and so a lot of us ended up picking up overtime. So it really threw us a curveball having to adjust to all of that. And what was the longest shift you had to work if you're picking up overtime? Um, so usually we do, nurses, we do like three shifts. They're 12 hours each. Um, I would just do usually an extra fourth shift, which is an additional 12 hours. Okay. And I work nights. Um, I knew, I've known a couple people to do five just because we were, we really needed the help, but I can never do that. Right. I gotcha. Um what do, you, what do you use to stay awake? Did you just like drink Monster? That's what I do. That's why I'm always wired. I used to do like the Mountain Dew stuff, um, like their energy Amp, drink. I think is what it's called. Maybe. I don't know, but it's like, it's really good, but you can tell it's just like <laughs> pure sugar. Yeah, I got. I had to cut the sugar out. I hit 30 and started getting fat, so I was like, yeah, I got to cut that. So yeah, I realize this probably isn't the best idea. So now I do the V8 energy stuff. It makes me feel a little better because there's some vegetables in oh, there. Yeah, new body who dis. So you're staying pretty zen while you're going through all this stuff. So patient zero comes in. Um, I always think about like I don't I don't know what what it all looks like. So as you know, I was a CNA for uh, several years back when I was in college, and um, of course I never dealt with anything like this. I worked ortho neuro, and you know I had some head injury people that would like go crazy and try to kill me. But other than that, like this isn't zombie apocalypse kind of stuff. But it, I'm guessing it's it was pretty terrifying, you know, right off the bat because you didn't know how lethal it was and the numbers, especially like looking at Italy. Because I feel like things happen in China and then they spread into Europe and then Italy got hit super hard early on and a lot of people died. What was going through your head? How were you emotionally handling all that? Because obviously, like the first time I had a patient die on me was devastating, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've dealt with a lot going through this. Are you are you good with talking about that? Yeah, yeah. So it it's been really hard, especially at the beginning because... As nurses, we're always with the patients and, you know, it's 2 a.m. and you have a patient who's not doing well. You, We have to call the doctor and you have to do your best to explain the situation and what's going on. But when you're dealing with something that's novel, sometimes it's hard to get the answers you're looking for because we simply just don't have them. No one has them. And so there's a lot of times these uh, patients would just start decompensating really, really, really quickly to the point there really wasn't a lot of interventions we could do. Um, So you find yourself, you know, calling the family in the middle of the night and updating them. And it's just really heartbreaking because at first we weren't letting anyone in the hospital. And so anytime um, a patient was beginning to pass, um, the family was kind of accepting of this. They had the DNR status. There wasn't anything we could do. Um, a few times I had to like put the patient phone up to the patient's ear 
so the family could talk to him one last time while they were passing away. Um, I've had uh, the family's like preacher call and have them, you know, say like a final prayer for them through the phone. And so that's really heartbreaking. You don't want anyone to pass away like that. But, you know, we were there as nurses. We were there to be with them, the patient during that time. But obviously you want the family there. They want to be there. So that was really something to get used to when a patient is decompensating, realizing there's really nothing else you can do and having to be there for the family as much as you can because they can't be there physically. Right. That's awful. Um, I know when I had people pass on me, it was it was always good to have the family there and everybody, you know, just you hug them. You know, I, I know I do. I know it's probably not acceptable anymore these days to hug people. But um, so we're talking about people decompensating, talking about people passing away here. Um, when you're obviously like symptoms of this can go from like I had a fever and couldn't taste anything and like a mild cold to we're watching people people pass away obviously you get the survivor stories you get the people who are like well I, I lost my taste my sense of taste or whatever when you had people coming in what was the the f- from they they came to brennan in the icu they become your patient mm-hmm. what was the fastest you saw somebody decline and what is it that you could do for them or like what what are the treatment measures Mm-hmm. What are what's going on in the ICU? So we usually bring someone to the ICU. Obviously, if they're coming through our ER and they're already intubated and they're on the ventilator. But if we start at like square one, sometimes we'll get a transfer from the floor. And the reason why they'll come to us is because their oxygen requirements are increasing. Like they'll so their s- pulse ox is going down. Exactly. Okay. So let's say they're on like two liters nasal cannula, like your basic, you know, try to get For those of you who don't know what that is, that's the tubes that go up your nose rather than the mask over your face. Yeah, and it's really chill, you know, it's not that much oxygen, but then you you get to the simple mask, and then you get to the venti mask, Mm -hmm. and these masks just um, give you more oxygen, more FiO2, and then you get to the non-rebreather, And then after you reach the non-rebreather, you're like at 100% oxygen with this mask over your face, um, and that's not doing it for you. That's basically like force-feeding you oxygen. So when that's not doing it for you, obviously, they start coming down to the ICU. Right. We um, started to use something when COVID hit called a vapotherm, and basically, I've, I've kind of explained it to family as a really high intensity nasal cannula. So it's a nasal cannula that goes in your nose, but it's 40 liters, 100% oxygen. And it's in this huge machine. And because it's like blowing so much I got air. I a quick question. Yeah. So when you're saying 40 liters, like that's 40 liters of oxygen, 100% oxygen, how f- 40 liters over what amount of time? Like, is it in 40 liters a minute or like an hour? Or like, how hard is it just like? like it's like a minute, I think. I think. I'm not sure. I won't sh- quote you sure. on it. So it's, yeah, it's almost like one of those CPAP machines oh where my you gosh. got the guy and it's over his nose. <laughs> just, and it's just like blowing in his nose yes. and coming out his mouth, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, it is like if you like take it off their nose, it just goes flying. Because oh. it's like there's so much, <laughs> like there's pressure added to it because it's so much oxygen. 
Um, it's in its own little machine. It like has to be humidified. 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 <laughs> it's okay. We'll cut that out. And no, we won't. Yes. <laughs> so that's what once if they didn't do the non-rebreather because we were trying so hard not to intubate people because right. it's so difficult to get people off of the ventilator and that's kind of been everywhere. And so that was the one thing that we brought in an extra equipment to try because that's what a lot of other hospitals were trying to. And honestly, sometimes like we get people on it and they do okay. We're able to bring the requirements down. But I've seen a lot of times it just not work. And usually you can tell pretty quickly that it's just not working. So how fast do people, so if they're coming in in the ER and they already have the tube in, did you, first of all, did you see anybody make like a miraculous turnaround? They're like, okay, I'm good. They stand up finally and walk out. Or is it basically they come in and it's they're toast. I don't mean to be like, sure. Yeah. uh, Cruel about it or anything, but at this point it's been, it is what it is. Right. We, it's, it's, it's hard as nurses because sometimes you can just feel like in your heart not to sound corny or cheesy or anything, but like that this person just isn't going to do well. But you've also had cases where they do turn around miraculously. And so that's those are the cases that really keep us going and keep our hopes up, honestly. Um, but we, we have patients that, you know, stay on ventilators for weeks at a time. And sometimes that's what it takes, you know, to eventually start weaning their ventilator settings down and eventually trialing them and getting them off. But some of them just kind of plateau and then decompensate. And that's hard. Yeah. Uh, so have you seen anything that has obviously because what do you say it's a novelty a uh, novel virus a novel New, virus yeah. yeah okay i novelty i'm an idiot <laughs> uh, sorry i'm so dumb uh so it's a novel virus you guys you know you get hit with this this is coming get ready for it winter's coming um you know your host get ready and you guys are going through the ppe classes now you are kind of seeing some things that are working you you've do, at what point did you go from like intubation to let's use this oxygen fire hose that we're shoving up people's noses what was the progression of treatment like from march till obviously now is mid october what's the progression of treatment looked like and mm-hmm. what have you guys found besides the oxygen fire hose that's helping are there any drugs that people are that you guys are administrating that you are administering that administrating stupid um mm-hmm. but what does that look like yeah so i was actually pretty proud of where i worked because anytime anything came out we tried it we tried the plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine you know when that was right. big we, we tried that, and then I think it was like folic acid and azithromycin and steroids. I mean, we really did any time, anything that was like, oh, this might help. We were like, let's do it because we have nothing else to go off of. Um, and then, of course, research progressed. Okay, that doesn't work. We now have studies where they've done it on enough people. It shows it doesn't work. And so... Um, Things that we've seen, so we've tried obviously the vapotherm as that's the fire hose. The up fire the hose up the nose. All I think about is like you unplug it and it just goes. Yeah, it really is. Um, 
convalescent plasma. Uh, it has the COVID antibodies in okay. it. Oh, so people who've recovered. Exactly. You got to donate. Use, there, there may be uneducated people listening. Most people, because if most people who listen know me, and so they're probably like my dumb redneck buddies. Sorry, guys. I love you very much. Um, so convalescent means someone who's recovered, and you're taking their blood plasma. Exactly. Yeah, make exactly. some money, guys. And um, yeah, if you you can donate, and so we've had quite a few people receive that, and we have to keep track. You know, it's its own special consent form. It's its own special like risks and everything that we go over with them. Um, that's something that we've been holding on to this whole time and that we're still doing. And then we've also done trials with remdesivir, which is a drug that's been out there. Um, we get, they've been what on What was it used for before? Days. <sighs> I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up, honestly. Okay. Well, I don't have anybody to Google it. Go ahead. Keep talking. <laughs> I'll Google it. Remdesivir. Remdesivir. And you know it's an antiviral. Okay. Which okay. makes sense. There we go. I was like, I don't think it's under the antibiotic, but it's an anti... No, you're good. Antiviral. Sometimes we make extra noises. <laughs> it's totally cool. All right. So we, we have... Um, Doctors, like infectious disease, critical care doctors, they're in charge of like who gets that drug and everything. But I'm sure it's expensive. Probably. <laughs> I think all of this is very expensive. So that's the plasma, the remdesivir. I mean, those are things that we're just like automatically, if they're candidates. And I don't know exactly what goes into being a candidate or not. Sure. Those I'm are doctors' decisions. Well, I'm sure like... As you know, every drug has some sort of side effect, and they're like, it's like, well, don't take Viagra if you have a heart condition because <laughs> you only have enough blood to run yeah. one brain, right? So uh, <laughs> can't can't do it if you have blood pressure medications. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, this dude, he's got heart problems. He doesn't get the remdesivir or whatever you called it. So, okay, next thing I have a question about is I think about you know. I'm a sci-fi guy. I think about getting on and off the spaceship and you're, you go into that little airlock room and then you get sprayed down with that white fog of whatever it is to disinfect you. Is it, What's the... I'm going home for the week. I have a few days off now. I've worked my three to four 12-hour shifts. Mm -hmm. What is the like sterilization process like for you guys? Because obviously it's definitely changed since before. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys have to go through as far as like quarantining yourself, staying away from people? Obviously now it's different cause you're sitting here with me, but, mm -hmm. um, what was that like throughout the, throughout the pandemic? I would say, so starting in March, I self-isolated myself and that was really difficult. Um, so yeah, we were offered like if, like little things we were offered like scrubs if we wanted to change into new scrubs obviously we're wearing gowns I would wear the papper over myself so technically I was you know covered but we didn't know what we were dealing with the papper was a spacesuit right yes papper is the hood that goes over uh, her head that's attached to you're like a beekeeper yeah <laughs> there you go that's also something to compare it to um, so, but then when I would go home, I just felt like it was 
better for everyone I was usually in contact with. And then also, you know, people at the grocery store, if I just wasn't constantly exposing myself. And so I stayed, I live by myself in my apartment with my cat. And <laughs> there you have it, everyone. So She's a cat lady. It was it was the two of us, and um, cats can get it though, which is scary. Uh, yeah. What's your cat's name? Rosie. Rosie. What? After uh, Rosemary's Baby. The, oh, the there horror you movie. go. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. Her full it name is Rosemary. Yeah. Okay, I got you. So yeah, I mean, I would really try not to go to the grocery store, and a lot of times it was like an in and out situation. And that was like the only time I would go out. I would, then I would just cook my own food. I honestly tried to not even do Postmates or anything like that because I didn't want to, you know, the poor delivery person. All right. <laughs> and so I did that, I want to say from April till, uh, not April, March until the end of June. And then I like was slowly just losing my mind. So... I, I then I started seeing people again like that I knew like my sister for example works from home she wasn't in contact with a whole lot of people so I felt good about seeing her same with my boyfriend at the time um, he was working from home and so I felt comfortable seeing him too but um, yeah I and then kind of July and August uh, you know obviously policies changed with reopening things. And mental health wise, it was really nice to like get out there, go back on my walking trail, get fresh air. And so, yeah, it at the beginning, it was a lot of self-isolation. But now I've kind of just when I go out, obviously, I'm courteous of other people and I wear a mask. Oh, is that your big political statement? For That's the night? my big political statement. <laughs> Not that it's a political thing. It's just science, right? So yeah, it's just like the nice thing. It's the nice thing to do. Put the mask on and breathe your own air. You break out a little bit. That's fine. I've had some zits at 30 years I've old. I've had too. Yeah. yeah it's like pretty right under here. Yeah, yeah, it's been bad. That's okay, though. You know, it really, I don't know. Like, here's my thing is I can walk past somebody and smell like, the Doritos they're eating from however far away I am. So I'm like, well, I sh you know, if I can smell the Doritos, I'm probably inhaling whatever. But at least it's blocking X amount of whatever is coming out of my lungs and holding that in. So I think, you know, it's a good thing. And so as a as a nurse, your your suggestion is put your... That's my suggestion. All right, yes. I'm going to say it in a not-so-nice way. Put the fucking mask on, all right? There you go. Don't be a dick, all right? It's not that bad, okay? I, you know, and at, as you know, I was in the Army for a number of years. I remember one night we were in the field, and they were throwing CS gas grenades at us. They're like, uh, it's like almost like a tear gas. I don't know. It sucks. I was really tired, and I didn't want to get up, so I put my mask on. Like, And this is a real mask. It's like rubber suctions to your face basically it's terrible it has this canister on it he's like with activated charcoal or whatever and uh i fell asleep with that thing on i slept for like eight hours in that mask and if i can do that <laughs> yeah i can wear an m95 or whatever it is is it m or n n n95 I'm having a problem with this pan pam dilemma all right so <laughs> so yeah, wear the mask. So then when you're leaving the hospital, is there any scrub down policy or are you just like, I'm going to 
stay six feet away from everybody and kind of yeah. like get to my car. Right. That's what it and is. And then when I get home, I'll strip at the yep. door and then I'll throw that in the laundry and then I'll go back out and lice all my car or whatever <laughs> so that Rosemary the cat doesn't get the COVID. Exactly. All right. Perfect. Okay. Um, I was That was the, really it because I was going to ask you, what's your opinion on the mask wearing? But, uh, you know. To wear it. Yeah. Wear, wear the fucking mask, people. Well, Again, I appreciate everything that you do. Um, you're doing a great job. Thank you so much for uh, being there for people and being there for their families. And, um, you know, it's not easy helping people uh, to the afterlife, especially when it's your job to, to make them live. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, been, I've been in those shoes, and that's why I got out of those shoes, because it sucked. But it takes a very special person to be able to do that. And uh, I know everybody who's listening, all five of you, uh, there's more than five, uh, everybody really appreciates it. So, uh, again, thank you for for what you're doing for us out there. And uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the show and talking. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we'll have you back. Um, I guess that's where we'll wrap it up. All right. Wear the mask. All right. Everybody, thanks for listening. Again, check us out at the number three boardguys.com. You can get a link to all of our social media and YouTube. This will not be on YouTube uh, as Brennan is going to stay anonymous. Her face will not be seen. But again, thank you very much for coming. We'll have you again maybe when it's all over. Maybe after the election. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All right.